Hello and welcome to the Music Works podcast. I'm Katie Manassa, Director and Founder of Polyphony Arts and this week we are pleased to welcome Ben Parry, Artistic Director and Principal Conductor of the National Youth Choirs of Great Britain and Director of London Voices. Faced with the difficult task of taking on the role following the conviction of his predecessor for historic sexual abuse, Ben had to look closely at safeguarding procedures before he could move into developing his plans for widening inclusion of the intake for the choir, which is where his real passion lies. His stated mission has been to reach out to young people who might otherwise feel excluded due to their socio-economic status, their ethnicity or their gender identification, an approach he believes has borne fruit. We'll hear how this has meant interrogating the kind of language that is used in the field, even questioning the whole concept of choirs and choral music. He acknowledges how, as a middle-class white male, he may not seem ideally placed to champion the sort of representation that hitherto has been lacking in classical music, but he will talk honestly about how he has had to challenge himself at every level and how the journey has changed so many of his own views and attitudes. And stay with us to hear also about Ben's association with London Voices, where the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement made him look again at the ethnic makeup of the choir and why classical music has to create a sense of belonging for underrepresented groups. First, here's a message from our sponsor. Music Works is generously supported by Allianz Musical Insurance, the UK's number one musical instrument insurer. Allianz offer a team of music experts who understand musicians' needs and lifestyles, especially helpful during the strange times we're in. You can get cover for all types of instruments and musical equipment with protection against accidental damage, loss, theft and more. And, unlike home insurance, there's no excess to pay on instrument or accessory claims. At the moment, Allianz have a special online offer with two months free cover. Not only that, every Allianz music policy now includes free legal assistance and support so you can protect yourself both as a musician and in your personal life. Find out more at alliancemusic.co.uk. Allianz, serving the music community since 1960, proud to be the insurer of choice for over 70,000 musicians. And now let's go over to the Music Works studio where Ben Parry is waiting to talk to us. Welcome, Ben. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. <laughs> Lovely to have you here. So this is Ben Parry, uh, writer and conductor, director of London Voices and um, artistic director and principal conductor of the National Youth Choirs of Great Britain. Quite the, quite the repertoire. <laughs> um, and I'm excited about this conversation today because we're going to talk about your, um, your sort of main, uh, main challenge is um, improving access, inclusivity and representation in the choral industry, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, that's, that, that's right, Katie. I mean, I've, I've sort of laid down a challenge. It's kind of a bit of a crusade, really. And it's, it's, it's galvanised as it's gone on in the last two years. I mean, this all comes out of the pandemic and obviously, you know, um, George Floyd and, and Black Lives Matter. Um, but I mean, uh, it's it's one of those things where we look back at the the pandemic and those crazy two years that we had, and we kind of we need to find the positives, I think, um, because there were many actually, um, despite the adversity, um, and not just the positives, but the challenges that 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 have beset us and and how we deal with them. Um, so you know, th certainly through my work with with the two um, choirs that you mentioned, London Voices, which is a professional choir, and then the National Youth Choirs, where we're dealing with young people. And you know the massive adversities, adversities that they've 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 had to overcome in the last two years. Not not least their well-being and their mental health. You know there are lots of lots of things that we can draw from what we've had to go through and and how that's going to hopefully improve things in the future. 
Absolutely. Um, so where shall we start? <laughs> um, shall we start with uh, with National Youth Choir? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I've I've been working with National Youth Choirs now for nearly 10 years. I can't quite believe how quickly or perhaps, perhaps slowly. I can't I can't remember which one. But I mean, I've been with them for nearly 10 years. And obviously I, I took over this organization at a very volatile time. My, my predecessor was a was a, a very um, uh, respected and and hugely um, hugely respected uh, conductor uh, working in the choral industry, but um, unfortunately, you know, this is and this we see this again and again, um, in not in our not in our, just in our industry but in others as well um, that uh, there were there were elements of historic child abuse here, and so um, he did actually he was actually sentenced. Um, and so I took over this organization and my my real my real obligation really was to professionalize it and to stabilize it and to ensure that uh, National Youth Choirs going forward had all the right structures in place to ensure that that young people have a have a safe space and a place where they can express themselves and um, you know, um, celebrate their talent. Um, and I, I certainly feel that we've we've got there now. I mean, actually, I funnily enough, I was taken on as executive and artistic director, and I demoted myself um, <laughs> about five years ago and stood back from the executive part simply because the organisation has grown so large now and is doing such amazing work that I felt that I really needed to concentrate on the creative artistic side. And we have a wonderful full time chief executive now. Um, uh, it's it's not London based. It's actually based in in Durham, which is also a good thing because, you know, we are a national organisation, so we need to be truly representative. But that's kind of a lot of what we can we can talk about today. Mm. Uh, better representation in the choral industry. Yeah, absolutely. So, can I ask what um, sort of what what needed to happen in terms of um, safeguarding the organisation and and the people in it and the pe- the, the the children involved when you when you came into the um, into the role yes absolutely i mean we we did a big review with the um um nspcc who made a number of recommendations things that needed to be fixed straight away you know our safeguarding policies um our pastoral care um not that anything was wrong i i hasten to add uh, um as far as the choir was concerned and then some longer term fixes things like um employing a, a head of safeguarding who who we now have um uh, and understanding you know the needs of young people and and how we how we look after them how we nurture them but at the same time how we support them and of course you know this is never more true particularly in the last couple of years with with the pandemic where you know we've just held um some spring courses in the last couple of weeks and you know the 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 degradation of of um, young people's well-being is is there plain to see you know the the difficulties that they've had um, over these past two years are palpable and so you know it was incumbent upon us to ensure that all our practices were up to date um, they were relevant and that they really um, helped young people um, in in our support for them and I'm very proud to say I mean I think not that National Youth Choir's before I joined it was was a bad thing. It was a fantastic organization and so many people, so many former members, you know, celebrate the fact that they were part of this amazing organization. But it is now a professionalized organization. And I know that it is 
from the work that it's doing is kind of basically unrecognizable from from how it was in the past um as as indeed are many other arts organizations i mean one thing i would say katie is you know this this idea of access and inclusion and representation um within the choirs um is something that we've worked really really hard on um particularly in the last two to five years and it's beginning to show results um but it is a challenge and sometimes it's very difficult and sometimes it's very uncomfortable and you have to acknowledge that you know there are difficult conversations that need to be had but my kind of end game is that those conversations need to happen until mm-hmm. um before we can change things so what are, what are the what are the challenges and what um, you know how how is this working can you give us some details well the main the main thing really is the perception of what choir and what choral is i think choir is a is a is a is a cooler word than choral choir can be a rock choir it can be an office choir it can be a community choir it can be a cathedral choir it can be a classical choir or a symphonic choir choral suggests something to a lot of people um and this is a word that we're tussling and wrestling with at the moment and what i like to think is that an organization like national youth choirs is kind of redefining what that word really is because choral basically is is the adjective of of choir it's what it does but i but but it has this preconception that it's kind of stuffy and elitist and privileged and sometimes to do solely with with church or or cathedral uh, which simply isn't the case um so it's again we sort of come up against one of those challenges where do do we abandon the word choral or do we stick our head above the parapet and say no this is what it is and let's celebrate that because it's been part of our history and it should be part of the of of our future um as well so so that's that's the main challenge i think the the other things are um certainly for me as a national organization is truly reflecting um our title and that we we embrace you know a large corpus of young people from across the country um the danger is you know um that things are so concentrated in the south and you know the majority of our people of our young people come from the south um you know what i I would like to think that we're doing a pretty good job at leveling up um as far as nationality uh, the 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 national spread um is concerned there are also things like um socioeconomic um you know financial assistance there's gender as well um, I think this is this is a very interesting part of what we're doing because we're seeing young people, you know, um, defining themselves of their gender. So we, do we have a we have a girls choir and a boys choir? Well, where does that fit if you have a a non-binary young person or a, or a trans person um, singing with us? Um, and then, of course, not least, um, ethnicity. This has been a really big thing for me um, in the past two years. I was profoundly affected, like so many others, with the, the murder of George Floyd and the and the Black Lives Matter movement in 2020. And in fact, um, I think we've spoken about this before, but I have a black cousin um, in New York who basically did a Facebook rant. I don't read Facebook, but my sister pointed me to it and said, walk the walk, look in the mirror, come on, do something about it. And I thought, well, I wonder whether I can as a white middle-aged male um with with a fair dollar per privilege behind me and uh as i say to cut a very long story short it is possible to do it um and i've seen the 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 results of that and the rewards of it and it, it is it is immensely overwhelmingly brilliant um that one can find 
singers and one can one can encourage a greater body of of um representation in fact it, interestingly my cousin doesn't doesn't like to use the word diversity it's a word that we bandy around she says mm. it's a sort of very white owned word and so i tend to use the word representation instead um and i i would like to see in 10 years time having spoken to so many people from very different ethnicities um i would like to see you know within five to ten years that we are as someone else said another black conductor said racially literate that 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 people you know if you can't see it you can't be it which is an often um told phrase but it's so true yeah wow i mean yeah so what is so many questions um, <laughs> i'm struck yes, just a, a point by the uh by a couple of you mentioned um language quite a few times and i think this is such a huge point in all of this the uh the the word choral the word diversity they've been they've been taken on meaning that is perhaps not their true meaning but nonetheless it's their meaning and i think that's a really um really interesting and kind of important part of the um this of this whole issue uh, yeah like... and katie it's interesting that you mentioned language as well because it's also the way that we use language to articulate ourselves you know mm -hmm. um something you know that that the, in the past may have seemed trivial you know calling calling sopranos and altos girls and tenors and basses yeah. boys well well don't do that call them upper and lower voices you know i i, I i've i've checked i've checked myself and i check other people and i think i've got to the stage in my crusade my own personal crusade where i call people out on this um you know then there's the whole area of cultural appropriation and whether you know it's okay for a for an intrinsically um, Western choir to sing Carnatic music or whatever. Well, yes, it's fine if you have that conversation with the Indian classical musician and you understand the context behind it. So there are so many strands to this um, that all need to be pulled together. And I would say, you know, during the pandemic, a lot of this, a lot of these conversations and dialogue took place. Um, certainly that changed my whole outlook. I'm not sure whether it's changed the outlook of a lot of my colleagues. And I'm a, I, I fear that as the pandemic is receding and let's face it it's not over yet um that that people are just sort of going back to what what it was before which simply isn't acceptable in my book anyway well yeah and that's why it's, it's so um important to have these conversations isn't it because then um you know you are in a, a position of being able to influence people which is extremely valuable um given the work well, I, yeah I, I i hope so i mean you know people don't have to listen to me <laughs> um and they can disagree as well you know that's that's what debate is about isn't it in a democracy mm. but i do feel you know it, it is important that that we challenge each other and there have been some uncomfortable moments um in the last two years but i i i acknowledge that and i celebrate it because i've learned from it what would you say can you give any examples of challenges or perhaps things that people might consider if they you know feel like they don't fit into the crusade if they perhaps are a white male you know all of the things that um a lot of this stuff gets targeted towards you know there's a difference between the patriarchy and men there's a difference between masculinity and men and all this kind of thing but you know the essentially it's not easy to be part of this change and not be challenged on it i think Do you, yeah is... I, yes my my, my cousin said you know it's not for black people to tell you how to do this it's for you to educate yourself yeah. um which i did um to all intents and purposes i mean i haven't read enough about it 
and I, I, because as trouble is, I'm really bad at reading books, but there's a lot of literature out there that that explains this and articulate articulates it in a, in a far better way than than I ever could. Um, and as I say, you know, it comes down to challenging oneself and accepting certain things. Uh, I mean, you know, you, if you think of privilege, you know, I, I, I grew up in, in Suffolk with a, a nice middle class privileged family. Um, I was I was put in a in an independent school, you know, that served me very well. Um, I went to Cambridge University. Um, I, I have a I have a uh, an enviable um, success with my with my career in in recording and 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 choirs that that lots of younger people would love to love to uh, attain. Um, having said that, it doesn't it, it's come with a lot of hard work and a lot of hard graft. But you know, I I, I went through a, a a phase a couple of years ago where I was ashamed of my privilege. Now I acknowledge it because that's that's who I am. But I mean, it 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 means that one can then have a broad a, a, a look through things with a much um, wider lens than one might if one was stuck in in the in the choral industry. And I think that's that's really important. The dialogue bit, having the conversations, is 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 a very good place to start. Um, I remember when this happened during the pandemic and we were all locked down and I thought, right, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to start talking to people. Um, and I did that. And that's an easy thing. I mean, jump on Zoom, jump on yeah. what are we called? StreamYard, um, <laughs> you know, ju jump on the phone, fi find some people to talk to and have those conversations, even if they are challenging and uncomfortable. And then understand, well, how how's that going to work then? How do I fit into that? I think the ability to be uncomfortable is really key in this, isn't it? I think it is. So... Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'm not. I don't think I'm wrong in saying that this, this has happened before. So with with the Me Too movement, um, you know, a, a, um, a conductor contacted me quite some time ago, some years ago, and said, "Why aren't there any female conductors or directors on this particular course that I was running?" And I said, "Well, I, I'm not in charge of running that, but I think if you looked at National Youth Choir." There's a much better gender spread um, across the youth choirs, and I actually met with this conductor, and we had a very interesting conversation where she challenged me, um, and I went away from that meeting having had the conversation, thinking, "Hmm, why, why, why haven't I been thinking about this before?" And you know, as time went on, and the whole Me Too campaign took hold, and we we realised actually, you know, this. There's a massive piece of work there to be done with better gender representation, not only in conducting but also in in repertoire planning. I mean, I look at I look across at, you know, our our industry, and I, I I'm fascinated to read or or, or look at programs of, um, from you know constituent choirs or whatever, and see you know who's really kind of understanding it and who really doesn't get it. Um, yeah. I mean, if I could cite the BBC singers, I think they are they are doing fantastic work. Um, you know, and this is a national organisation. You know, a, a, a foot, Britain's only full time professional choir, um, and they are they are being brilliantly representative in their programming. Very imaginative. Um, but I've spoken to some some black conductors who you know who who say, well, just challenge the the norm. You know, people say, okay, so we're going to do. You know, we're going to do Verdi Requiem. Let's balance it with a with a motet by a, a woman or a black composer or or, or 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 a black female composer. And this this black conductor said, "Yeah, but you're you're assuming that the norm is that you do a big 
choral work by a white dead male composer why don't you flip it on its head and do something by you know a female composer or a black composer and have that as your main piece and then acknowledge that there is a do a verdi motet instead do you know what i mean mm, yeah and that that yeah. was really interesting but that came out of a conversation with a bunch of symphonic chorus directors and i thought yeah actually what there's, there's no problem with challenging the norm because the norm actually isn't right <laughs> and it needs to change absolutely so tell me then about london voices um yes so there. so london voices is a is a professional choir um um, I just mentioned the BBC Singers, who are the only full-time professional choir. This is a bunch of freelance um, professional singers. So I think I have, I looked it up the other day, I have 100, 190 sopranos on my books. <laughs> um, so I've probably got about 400 <laughs> names in my in my contacts. Um, and I, I pick a choir for a, for a specific project. Um, the, the choir was founded by Terry Edwards, who is the who is the the godfather of choral singing in in britain i mean he was the the chorus director at the royal opera house for a number of years and he started london voices he retired last year because he's in his 80s now and so i've taken it over but funnily enough it was we were do we we went back to working pretty soon um after the pandemic had taken hold so in june 2020 the london studios put in the most extraordinary covid management which meant that you know that we were all spaced out three meters and we were wearing masks and we were in booths but it meant that we could start recording again and i think we were the only choir in britain who were doing it at the time and i kept it very quiet because i mean you know there were so many of our colleagues who basically their careers had had disappeared mm -hmm. so we started we started recording again and then the black lives matter um uh, kicked in and there was a, a, a an awful right-wing protest in in London on the day that I was doing a session I looked across at London Voices and realized that they were all brilliant singers but they were all white and I thought well what why is that and then these conversations started then I read the, the the Facebook message from my cousin and she said start having conversations so I started those conversations and I realized that a lot of the the black and Asian singers and I've met many of them had self-selected themselves out of doing something like London Voices because they looked at it and they go well, that's not for me because I wouldn't fit in it. Um, one of the most telling and moving conversations I had was with a, a black conductor and keyboard player who said, you know, he grew up in Scotland. He was the only black kid in his school. Um, he went to the academy. He was the only black music student. Um, he, um, he went to Edinburgh University, sorry, and then did a master's at the academy, only black master's student. Um, started doing some work and, and was, was, was doing work with as a keyboardist and then was asked by Chichi Nwanoku to do one of the first Chineke um, concerts. And he walked into the rehearsal room and everyone was black and everyone looked like him. And he said, it was just such an extraordinary moment because he thought, oh, okay, I, I feel I belong here. And this word belonging has become like one of the most important words, particularly with National Youth Choir. But I think it's also with, with any choir that I would work with that the the mantra you know if you can't see it you can't be it um and you know there's more than one very intellectual um far-sighted um female who who's coined that phrase but it is absolutely true is if you then start having the dialogue with these singers who are black and asian but they are also brilliant in their own right and you say no you can be part of this 
then they feel that they belong in an industry. And the more we do that, uh, the easier it's going to become. Um, and that certainly is reflected in National Youth Choir as well. You know, the, 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 the advantage, for want of a better word there, is that we, we, we're, we're catering with very young people. So, you know, at the point of entry, if you can encourage a broader spread of, of ethnicities and better representation at that young age, and they go through the organisation, you're going to end up with a wonderfully representative choir at the end of it, you know, which is kind of what it's all about, really. But I mean, you know, to have a to have a professional choir working at the level that London Voices is with upwards of 20, 25 percent ethnic representation, I think, is a result, to be honest. Absolutely. And and I would also, I, I, as I said earlier, I think I've got to the stage where I would I'm beginning to challenge others to mm. do that. So I would be saying to any symphonic chorus, you know, challenge yourself, say within, I don't know, a year or two that you have five percent greater ethnic representation take on a young black or asian conductor choral conductor and work with them and mentor them and show them the show them how to how to be part of this industry and you know they will then become the ambassadors for the next generation of young conductors coming through but until that happens we're just going to end up with the status quo i think mm. so that would be your challenge then to the to the industry <laughs> Yeah, it would. And I feel I've sort of gone and I, I've done enough with my own crusade or my own personal challenge that I, 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 I feel I feel I'm at a stage where I want to call people out on it. You know, I, I don't really do the social media thing, as you well know, Katie, <laughs> but sometimes I disappear down the wormhole of Twitter and I see things and, you know, it's it's very visual and it's 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 kind of it's just little sound bites and saying, look at our team of singers, look at our team of, of brass players in this orchestra. And when you see a, a picture of, of, some, of, a, of a British orchestra um, celebrating the fact that they've got the best horn section in the country and they're all white middle-aged men, how does that look to a greater representation of people? And in fact, I, I noticed that what, there was a conservatoire teacher who had, who had looked at that and tweeted and said, well, that's all as well be. It may be a great team, but how does that look to my students who are female, black and Asian, non-binary, so on? You know, they look at that and they go, well, I don't belong in that. So that, you know, that, that I, I'm afraid that's kind of careless, yeah. I would say, personally. And I think people need to think about their visibility um, and, and, and challenge themselves just to, to, to look and be more representative. It's really powerful, isn't it? Because you, I think that a lot of people who have never not felt themselves represented don't realise how significant it is to suddenly be represented if you aren't. Because yeah. they've just always seen themselves. I mean, I say them, that's definitely true for me. You know, so yeah. I, I think that in many ways of the message that's circulating is about the fact that this really does matter. And it is that just the simple optics and um, impact of seeing an all-white section or a, a section that's diverse mm. is um is huge yeah no absolutely great um would you like to tell us would you like to plug anything that you've got coming up <laughs> <laughs> well we feel we we um we're on the soundtrack of fantastic beast three um so that's that's i think that's just come out this week oh, i've yet great. to see it um and we're about to do so, uh, a film next week that I'm not allowed to tell you about 
um well it's got dinosaurs in it you know and that kind uh -huh. of um the Nothing the national youth choir well, yeah we're <laughs> national youth choir um has some some great work coming up we've just done some really interesting um concerts the my choir the flagship choir did a fascinating uh concert with the uh, swingles as an uh, international vocal group um and we co-created a piece um our theme this year is environment and and and, and ironically i mean this is a, a theme that we coined i don't know two or three years ago not realizing that cop 26 was going to happen in the same year um and that it's become you know the the, the climate crisis has become so relevant so we put together this amazing piece it's actually part of it's going to be broadcast on scala radio at the weekend um um called until it's gone and it's basically for for choir and amplified vocal group and i think this piece really has legs it's a very powerful piece and we performed it in a in a fascinating venue um in woolwich in in east london on the shores of the thames there where they've regenerated kind of these dilapidated warehouses it's called the fireworks factory and it was actually a fireworks factory back in the day um and it was it was a it was a massively uplifting concert and then i went over to saffron hall the other day to hear the training choir who is the teenage choir that we work with um doing an equally wonderful program um and just watching these kids i think this was the first time that they actually performed in public for nearly three years because of the pandemic so kind of there was a kind of visceral quality of them just being in the room and singing together, which is amazing. So we've got some really interesting work coming up in the in the summer. Um, we're going to be part of a major um, uh, concert series in London. We're working at the Rydale Festival. Um, we've got a wonderful concert that we're doing um, in Castle Howard, which is uh, in, in Yorkshire. We're working with, a, with a, an American Baroque orchestra um, and in fact, the chamber choir in the next couple of months is going out to revisit a piece that was written for us by Jessica Curry, who's a very interesting composer. She mainly cut her teeth on on games music, so writing for for um, video games. Are, do you still call them video games? I think I think that is a is a phrase, isn't it? Video seems terribly old fashioned. Um, and she wrote just a piece called She Who, um, all about female identity identity. And our chamber choir is performing that as part of uh, the Performing Rights Society biennial 10th anniversary in Coventry and in the South Bank in London in April and July. So, you know, it's really exciting things that our, our young people can get involved with. That's great. Such a lot going on. Thank you, Ben. It's been great to keep this conversation going following our recent episode talking to Anil Sebastian and Ella Taylor about how Trans Voices is reclaiming the spaces which have hitherto excluded the musical experience of transgender voices. Increasing representation in classical music is a subject close to our hearts at Music Works, and it's really encouraging to see how this is being brought to an organisation as influential as National Youth Choirs of Great Britain, which is building the next generation of singers. You can find out more information about Ben and his work at the National Youth Choirs of Great Britain at benparry.net and nycgb.org.uk. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Music Works podcast. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe, check out our other great episodes and even better, leave us a review. You can also sign up to our mailing list at www.polyphonyarts.com forward slash mailing dash list for updates and news about what Polyphony Arts is up to for all you classical music folk out there. 
You can find more information in the show notes as well. Meanwhile, I'm Katie Beardsworth and I look forward to sharing with you the next great episode of Music Works. Music Works is generously supported by Alliance Musical Insurance, the UK's number one musical instrument insurer. Alliance Music Insurance, serving the music community since 1960, proud to be the insurer of choice for over 70,000 musicians. Music Works is a Polyphony Arts production. Thank you for listening.